Hey folks, and welcome back to another Blue Light Podcast Stroke YouTube video. I'm doing both again. So I'm Brendan from Blue Light, and this is the only place you need to be to discover all you need to know about the police recruitment process, and also police promotion, specialist interviews, transfer interviews, everything you need actually to take you from hoping to join the police to a successful and fulfilling career. So in today's podcast stroke YouTube video, we're going to take a look at stage three of the online assessment centre. Now, this is for those of you who are hoping to join the police in England and Wales. If you're applying to a home office force, then you have to do the College of Policing online assessment centre. It's been around for a while now. And it's probably going to change sometime in 2022, but for the moment, it's the one we've got. There's no human interaction in it at all. And I know and that, that actually amazes people that you can actually join the police, some police forces, this is all they need you to do. You can join the police without actually having spoken to a real person, except for the medical bleep test uh, that's about it. So you could be walking through the doors of the training school. The first person you speak to is on your first day, which means actually it's an awesome opportunity. So in today's uh, podcast or YouTube video, we're going to take a look at uh, five things that I think are really useful bits of learning that you could bring into your stage three. There's two parts to stage three. First part is a written exercise. You've got two hours to complete this in. This is where they're going to give you some kind of community policing problem and you're going to be the constable that's going to have to deal with it. And you've got a sergeant who's asked you certain questions about the problem that they've presented to you. And you've got to come up with some answers. Now, these are going to follow a problem-solving uh, process in the same way as the stage three briefing will. The briefing is a bit harder, though. There's no camera on the written. So you could do it naked if you wanted to. Uh, there's no camera on you, but there is a camera on you for the stage three briefing. So don't do that bit naked because you get yourself into a lot of bother. Um, stage three briefing is where they're going to give you another community policing type conundrum, I believe, from an ethical source. It's got something to do with violent criminals, drug dealing, homeless people who are vulnerable, who are taking drugs and the community up in arms about it all. And so they're going to give you 12 questions and you don't get to know what those questions are ahead of time. Even once the exercise has started, they just drip feed them in. 12 questions and you've got one minute to think about it and three minutes to deliver an answer. And again, the questions are going to be around a problem solving process. So it's going to be questions like, um, how would you describe the problem? What would you see your role being? Um, what sort of actions would you take to engage with the community? Uh, what sort of impact will this have if it's not dealt with? What sort of uh, causes would you say uh, are behind this problem? What sort of partner agencies would you work alongside and why? And what sort of solutions would you propose? Questions like that. So they're following a sort of SARA problem-solving methodology, which stands for scanning, analysis, response and assessment. So as well, you'd be looking to talk about how you'd monitor and assess your progress in dealing with this problem alongside members of the community, alongside public sector organisations. So we use an eight stage process for this, which is like uh, SARA plus. So there's a lot more to it. An eight stage process, which um, I've sort of morphed a little bit from an organisation called Intensive Engagement, who've done a huge amount of research into police problem solving. I met the good people, Tim and Richard 
from intensive engagement whilst I was doing some work for the European Union. I was on the International Advisory Board, as they were as well, for a big project that was looking at improving community policing problem-solving across Europe. So that was a small task, wasn't it? (laughs) Really enjoyable. Three years, fascinating. Got to travel Europe and uh, got an insight into some incredible research which intensive engagement brought together and put together a, a sort of eight-stage process. There's 28 pieces of research that underpins all of those eight-stage processes, but I'm not going to uh, bore you with all of that now in this uh, podcast. I'm just going to show you five things that we discussed, and I thought were really interesting areas of discussion uh, in one of my recent interactive webinars. So for those of you who are my clients, you already know that I run interactive webinars where we spend two, two and a half. Actually, the other day it was about three hours talking about how you'd actually go through a problem solving process. In this case, it was uh, for the stage three briefing and everyone got to practice as well. Those three minute answers. And it raised lots of different conundrums because we actually use a town in England and Wales. We use Wrexham as an example. Uh, as a case study uh, and poor Wrexham I'm very sorry Wrexham and the people of Wrexham but uh, there's a big big drug problem there and it brings in everything that you could probably have as issues that could be raised and brought up in the stage three briefing and I know what we do works because so many of my clients come back and they've got scores in the 90 percent 96 percent is the highest I've seen so far which is just awesome so let's take a look behind me at the whiteboard. Um, I know some of you can't see this because you're on a podcast. Uh, my apologies. Um, but let's just take a look at what we've got there. Uh, so the first thing is information. Now, uh, if you're asked to describe the problem, don't fall into the trap of just giving a very brief um, sort of uh, uh, a very brief sort of um, description of the problem. We want to be thinking about the problem in terms of our 5WH skills. Now, 5WH is um, a series of problem-solving questions you can utilise. Who, when, what, why, how... um, Did I get them all? Anyway, 5Ws and a H. But we're going to do them in a very specific order. So we're going to do them in a simple to complex way. So we're going to ask of the problem when it's occurring. When exactly is it occurring? Where exactly is it occurring? Who's involved? What is it they're doing? In terms of who's involved, uh, we're going to talk about victims, we're going to talk about um, the perpetrators, the offenders, and we're going to collect information that is available to us in the briefing pack, but also we're going to mention the information that's not there as well, and how we'd go about getting that information. So that's the very first stage, folks, and that's how you fill a three-minute answer, by the way, as opposed to just describing how there's uh, drug dealers and they're violent and there's homeless people and they're vulnerable. Now, we're going to go into it in far more detail, and where that information doesn't exist, we're going to talk about why that information is so important and where we're going to get it from. So that's the first part. And then we move into, I've put there, analysis, relationships and working group. So we're going to analyse that information. That's what we're going to do. But we're not going to do it on our own. We want to build up relationships with other organisations who've got a stake in that problem and members of the community. And this is where we're going to form a working group. And I go into this in a lot of depth in my workshops, in the webinars, probably spend about half an hour talking about how we build up those working groups because these are really important because it's a working group that's going to take responsibility for working through these problems all you're going to do is take a leadership role and drive the working group to success 
so the next part is PAT. You're thinking, what's PAT? PAT stands for the Problem Analysis Triangle. And this is where we think about the problem. We think about the antisocial behaviour of the crime from three different perspectives. From the perspective of the location, from the perspective of the victim, and the perspective of the offender. The idea behind the Problem Analysis Triangle and the research behind it is if you take one of these elements out, if you manage to solve one of these elements, then the rest of the triangle collapses. If you've not got victims because they, you've target-hardened their properties in, resp- in respect of burglaries, then the offenders find it difficult to actually get into the house, which mean the problem, means the problem goes away. That sort of thing. Um, but one of the conundrums that we're going to be faced with, I think, is if only the world was so simple. What happens when the victim is also the perpetrator? You might be thinking, how can the offender be the victim? I don't get that. Well, if you think about people who are homeless, who might be addicted to drugs, if they're taking drugs, then they are offenders. They're committing an offence if they're in possession of a Class A controlled drug. That offence still exists. There's no dispensation. But one of the things that one of the clients on the workshop suggested was amnesty. Could we have a drugs amnesty? And we batted that idea around in terms of the ethics and we came up with, actually, well, we didn't come up with it because it's something I had in my back pocket anyway. There is a way of treating the offender as a victim and the victim as the offender. And um, it all comes from, um, stems from uh, a model of preventative policing, which is being pioneered by Durham Constabulary with something called Checkpoint. So I'll leave that with you. Look it up. You'll find it really, really useful and interesting. Um, third part, hotspot focus. So if you're going to have a very intensive form of problem solving that involves multiple agencies and members of the community, you can't do that everywhere. You just don't have the resources, even in College of Policing land. So one of the things you want to be thinking about is where are the hotspots? And this is where the analysis comes in. And this is how we fill three minutes, by the way. Uh, the answer, this, uh, this would be the answer to the question, um, how would you go about deciding where your resources go or what sort of solutions would you propose? And you'd be talking about, in any of those solutions, make sure they're focused on where the problem exists the most. So you could use like the 80-20 rule that um, 20% of your offenders or 20% of the problem, whatever it is, is, is caused by... Um, 80% of the people. So, uh, sorry, I've got that. No, I've got the wrong way around, haven't I? So, uh, 80% of the problems caused by 20% of your people. So, uh, actually, I think it's more like 95 5 rule that 5% of your offenders cause 95% of the crime. So, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be focusing on that 5%. We're not going to be focusing on all 100 um, offenders. We're just going to focus on the top 10. Who are the top 10 offenders? Uh, or in terms of the location, where is the location where the most harm is taking place? So that's what we mean by hotspot policing. Um, conflict, that's the fourth thing now, conflict. You may have to deal with conflict in your stage three. So one of the methods we're going to utilise to manage that conflict is a non-contact conflict management model called Kutzer. This stands for confront, understand, define and summarise, solutions, assess and monitor and result. So this is a really, really effective way of de-escalating any conflict. A good way of finding out, finding a sort of mediated, you're going to mediate and you're going to find some solution that everyone can agree on. If only that happened more in the world. Um, so that's an awesome, awesome thing. Uh, I know from a couple of clients that they've fed back that they found that really, really useful, especially in the stage three briefing. Uh, 
Uh, last part, safety. So I've got this from an ethical source uh, through some of the work I've done with police forces around positive action. But actually, one of the questions you're going to get asked, especially in your stage three, is about how you would ensure the safety of yourself and your colleagues when dealing with people who have a tendency to be violent. Now, I think this is a ridiculous question for you at this stage of the process, and I can't really see which value or competency it fits into, because they tell you which values and competencies you're going to get assessed against in each one of the exercises. But it is what it is, and the golden rule applies. Those who hold the gold make the rules, and the College of Policing hold the gold, so they make the rules. So whether I think it's a ridiculous idea or not doesn't really matter, because you are going to get asked a question along these lines. And so you've got three minutes to talk about. So talk about it. And I provide a, you know, I provide a brain dump on my online course. I think it's a video that's about 20 minutes long where I talk about having the right type of training, having the right type of equipment, making sure all of that equipment's in date, making sure that everyone knows how that equipment works, making sure that you do accurate, uh, really good briefings making sure you do really good debriefings so you're learning from any mistakes or any close calls, that you're thinking about threat, harm and risk. All of these elements go into making sure that you're safe. And there's one more thing on top of that as well that we need to think about, and that's the safety of those people who we might be arresting. So we've got a responsibility to ensure that they're safe and they don't come to any harm. So I think all of that, put it all together will enable you to deliver an awesome answer. And the feedback from my clients is, yes, everything that we covered on the webinars prepared me so well for the online assessment centre. Actually, I just had a quote from someone this morning who said, um, I passed, I got a really good mark in the top 60s, 60%. I'm still not quite sure about most of it, but I just sort of pretended to be you. <laughs> so, um, and whether we think that's right or wrong doesn't really matter. You know, if there's going to be a really formulaic assessment process that you are going to be presented with, a very tick box process, then, you know, the College of Policing and Forces shouldn't be surprised when people actually take a formulaic tick box approach. There's no assessment of your values in any of this. It's just your assessment, uh, an assessment of your ability to pass the online assessment centre. Now, I hope that doesn't come across as being a bit cynical, but it just is what it is. It's a tick box process. It's incredibly formulaic. Just follow the formula. Now, you might be thinking, how do all of these things tie in with each other? Well, they do. The eight-stage process is just absolutely awesome. Um, basically, it touches upon gathering information and intelligence, uh, forming a working group, gathering information and intelligence from them, the working group being stakeholders in the problem, um, looking at ways of analysing that information to further determine what the problem is, determine what the causes are, determine what the causes of the causes are, look at things like impact factors, and then we move into um, asset mapping. So we want to find out who the assets are in the community, people who are capable, connected, they care enough to act and they're committed. And then we're going to bring them together into the working group and do some further analysis. And then as opposed to asking what the problems and priorities are, because if you ask for problems and priorities, people will tell you them. And don't be surprised if they expect you to actually deal with them. We are going to enable that working group to set a vision for the future. This is the asset-based community development um, approach, ABC. CD approach. Uh, Gloucestershire Constabulary do this really well. We're going to enable them to come up with a vision for their future, for their community, for the best version of this community it can be. If we could build upon everything that's working well already, what would that community look and feel like in two years' time in respect of homelessness or in respect of 
um, antisocial behaviour or young people, young people's activities, what would they be doing that's positive in the community as opposed to negative? Anyway, we're going to take that asset-based approach and then once they've formed that vision, we're going to ask some really clever questions that are going to enable them, the members of the community and other stakeholders to come up with all the steps that are required to deliver that vision. So actually the police aren't doing that much. I once uh, heard an officer in Gloucestershire, because I did a lot of work with Gloucestershire Constabulary uh, back in the day, he talked about it as, uh, um, he said, it's like doing a lot without doing a lot. So that's the approach we're going to take. Um, we talk about all sorts of different solutions, uh, making sure that those solutions are more than just enforcement. So uh, something called TPAC, you won't find that anywhere. It's a Brendanism based on a lot of research, uh, trust building, enforcement, prevention, advocacy and uh, communication. And then we're going to assess and monitor uh, the um, group, our working group, to ensure that they've got all the resources that they need to deliver on that vision. And there you go, folks. That's the eight-stage model. Um, of course, it's a lot more detailed than that. Like I said, there's a load of different research in it. And we can talk about different forms of enforcement, different forms of prevention, uh, advocacy. What exactly does that mean? We're going to look at things like participatory budgeting, youth banks, all sorts of stuff based on research of what works, and based on a load of experience. So I've got about 15 years worth of strategic and tactical experience of community policing, especially with things like tackling organised criminality, building strong communities. That's my thing. So it's almost as if the stage three was written for me to give you the very, very best advice. So I hope this advice in a very short podcast stroke YouTube video has helped you, has helped inspire you to want to do better, to achieve that really high mark. And Achieving a really high mark, why is that so important? Well, a lot of forces now, and a lot of forces actually have always done this, they will only take the people who are scoring the highest marks. So Cheshire Constabulary have just done this recently. They've just written to a load of their candidates to say, you've all been successful in the online assessment centre. Well done you. You were successful in your final interview. Well done you. Except that we don't have a place for you. And they've actually said to them, why don't you apply again in a couple of weeks' time when we open up the recruitment window again? which frankly seems like a ridiculous thing to do. But golden rule applies. Those who hold gold make the rules. Uh, but all of those individuals just didn't quite score high enough to get to the next stage. So some of my clients did score high enough to get to the next stage. I know what their scores were like because they told me. I know what their interview was like because they gave me an account of how the interview went. You always know it goes well when you're given an hour for the interview and it, it took one hour, 20 minutes for one of my clients. So that's always a good sign. That is always a good sign. They've got so much to talk about. And they actually complimented this individual at the end of the interview as well. So you, that's another good sign. So that's what we're aiming for, folks. We're not aiming for a, just a pass. We are aiming for awesome, awesome marks. Now, this, is, this applies really to most of the shire forces, the smaller forces. Big forces like the Metropolitan Police, that's just a big numbers game. So it's not quite the same sort of issue. But still, you want to be making sure you get a comfortable pass. Anyway, I hope some of you join me um, and help me enable you to get that comfortable pass. Shameless plug, I absolutely guarantee that you're going to pass. You do all the work I ask you to do. If you fail, I'll give you a full refund. I mean, how fair is that? I'm all in with you on this. Are you all in as well? Links below, folks, whether you're watching this on Facebook, YouTube, listening to it on a podcast, I'll put some links below for you so you can find out more about the services, uh, about the Facebook groups as well that you can join. 
for both serving officers and potential recruits and i shall catch up with you soon so it's good to speak to you good to hopefully that have you watch me on this youtube video on this podcast uh, facebook wherever it might be twitter uh, awesome to have you on board awesome to have you as part of the blue light community and i'll catch up with you soon bye bye for now